and hopefully he means the world to you. It's a wonderful, wonderful song. Great message there. And uh, again, thank you for singing. Thank you for all those that do have that talent and ability to sing. And again, if you have that a talent, hey, use it for the glory of God. Amen. So we'd love to hear some more of that. Turning your Bibles this morning will be in Colossians chapter number 3 this morning. Colossians chapter number 3. Now, I'd like to give you maybe the first of a couple messages dealing with the idea of becoming a better Christian. I have no doubt that many here are saved, but are we continuing to be better Christians? Again, our theme for this year is, but continue thou in the things which thou have, have heard of and learned, been assured of. Again, we are to continue. It's not just a, a one and done kind of thing. It's a continual growth process. It's something we're to do on and on and, and try to become uh, closer to the Lord as we live this life on this earth. With this mentality of, 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 of some people, you know, they say, well, I'm saved. I come to church. I'm faithful here at church. Uh, maybe you give your tithes and offerings serve in some way and you think isn't that enough with that kind of mentality and ideas our Christianity can become stagnant we think we've achieved what we're to achieve we're up to the level that we're to meet and that's it but that's not where we're to stop we're to continue to learn continue to grow continue to, uh, to draw closer to the Lord again that's what God would have us to do but the million-dollar question is, how do we do it? Uh, that's what everybody wants to know. Well, how do we do it? And uh, I want you to know that it is a process. It's not just a one thing we can do and it's done. It's a process that we have to go through and continue to do throughout our entire life. And there's some people say, well, why is it that I become saved? Why should I want to become a Christian? Because I'll never achieve that level that I need to be at. It's not about achieving that level. It's about that relationship we have with God. If that be the case, why would any of us ever get married? Anybody here a perfect spouse? What, nobody's raising their hands? Oh, yeah, there's always one. <laughs> Wait till I tell Travis. Now, <laughs> is anybody here, you know, we have children. Anybody here a perfect parent? You know, so why have kids? Why get married? If we never achieve that level of perfection, then why do it? Why get saved if we're never going to meet it? Again, it's the relationship. It's the love we have for one another. It's the love we have for God that, again, that drives us or should push us to try to lift God and to learn and to grow. But we must think about this. It is impossible to grow, mature, or advance in the Christian faith if we are not feeding the spiritual man inside. Let me say that again. It is impossible to grow, mature, advance in the Christian faith if we are not feeding the spiritual man inside. This morning as we look at this first message of bettering the Christian walk, we're going to look at some background first. Again, Paul here was writing to the church of Colossae. Uh, this was a city in Asia Minor, or what we would consider modern-day Turkey today. But this was a church that the Apostle Paul did not start. At no time do we ever find that Paul ever went to Colossae. It was actually started by Epaphras, I believe it is. Many believe. But what he was trying to do, he was writing a letter to try to encourage the Christians that are there. Encourage the church that was starting up and going and living for God. 
So he was writing this letter to sending out uh, again that the people would, would draw closer to the Lord, that they would have a, a more personal, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to do as well. We need to take this letter today and apply it where we are right now so we can draw closer to the Lord. As we come to this part in chapter number 3, Paul addresses some very specific things that I want you to look at here this morning. So let's begin reading here. Colossians chapter number 3 will begin in verse number 1. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In the time which, or excuse me, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye put off the old man with his deeds. Here we find the first step in becoming. A better Christian. So again, it's a process that we need to understand. But let's go to the Lord in prayer as we get started this morning. Lord, again, we thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the blessings today. Lord, thank you for a giving church family. Lord, I thank you for their love and, again, care that they show toward us. And Lord, I pray that you'll just continue to bless them and, and, and for that. But Lord, I pray that as we've opened up your word again, as we've read here again in Colossians chapter 3, help us, Lord, to, to take these words to heart. Lord, not to, to point to someone else and think it's for someone else, but Lord, it's for each and every one of us this morning. I pray that you'd help us apply what we hear today. Lord, we love you. We want to draw closer to you this morning and live for you. And I pray that you would just, again, speak to hearts. Lord, I pray that your spirit would have free reign in this place today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, here we find in the first verse, Paul starts by addressing those who are saved. So number one is saved. <clears throat> What does it mean to be risen with Christ, as he points out here? What was it that Paul was trying to point out? As many of you know, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the message that we are to proclaim to the whole world as believers. When Jesus died on the cross, he died not of his own will. Uh, again, he put his will aside, his wants aside, and followed through with what God would have him to do. He died to self. As we find there in verse number 3, isn't that what it says? For ye are dead. We as believers this morning need to die to self. We know that dead people have no senses. They have no taste. They have no smell. They have no touch. They have no hearing. They have nothing of those sorts. They are dead. They also have no will or desire. So when we die to self... Our will, our wants, need to be put aside and fall by the wayside because, again, that cannot be our focal point as we are risen with Christ because we put ourselves in the grave. We are no longer, but we are to live for Christ. Look with me at Romans chapter 6, if you would. Turn back to Romans chapter 6. Let's begin looking in verse number 2. The second part of that verse says... 
How shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death as like as Christ was risen up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. So again, it's pointing out that we are to live. Salvation is, is us giving our lives to Christ, to be dead to the old man, to put away those things, and to live for Christ. Go down and look at verse number 8. It says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. At the end of verse number 3 of our text, it mentions that our life is hid with Christ. The word hid there means concealed. The more we live for Christ, the more we live for God and follow His ways, the less we see of that old man. That old man is being concealed. It's hidden away. It's not gone. Let me remind you of that. It cannot go away because we have this sin-cursed flesh. But the more we live for God, the more we follow Him, the more we're in His Word and allow that to change us, the less of that old man we'll see. A lot of people don't like that. They don't understand that. But you've got to get more of God in you if you want to hide those things and get those things put away. I wish we could get rid of them. I wish I could take uh, this spiritual flesh and throw it aside and, and, and get rid of that old man completely. But we can't. Not until we get to heaven. Amen. One day we'll get there to where we'll get rid of this old flesh. That's when we dawn that new flesh and see Jesus face to face. But until then, we've got to deal with these things. We've got to deal with the problems. And uh, unlike some people today that don't like to deal with problems, we have to do that. No one can do it for us. No one can make us. No one can point those and say, you have to. It's a choice we've got to make. We've got to choose that I'm going to put those things aside. We've got to choose that I'm going to follow God today. Forget those things that are behind and press forward toward God. Remember this. Again, Satan is always there. Satan is going to be there to remind us of those sins of the past. He's going to be there to tell us about our old habits. Hey, don't you remember when you used to do this? Hey, don't you remember that? Hey, let me remind you. Come on, wake up. Let me give you some things. Tell Satan to get thee behind me. Remember what Christ has done. He's going to make you feel so low and so bad that you're not going to want to do, want to do anything for God. Remember how important you are to God. Remember your value to God. You're so valuable that He sent His Son to die on a cross for you. That's how important we are. That's how valuable we are in God's eyes. So don't let Satan's lies pull you away. Don't let Satan draw you from where you're supposed to be. Those sins have been covered by the blood. Aren't you thankful for that? They've been cast into the deepest part of the sea, according to Micah chapter 7 and verse number 19. They've been cast as far as the east is from the west, as the psalmist wrote in Psalms 103 verse number 12. You go back and you see where Jeremiah said, if you confess our sins, God will remember them no more. Kind of wish we were that way sometimes. You know, that person that did us wrong, we'll forgive them, but we'll never forget. <laughs> We need to learn to be like Christ and forget them. Put them away. Get rid of them. Why? Because Satan's always going to bring them back up. Hey, don't you remember they did that? Come on. And what do we do? We get mad all over again. 
We need to learn to forgive and forget. Cast them away just as God's done for our own sins. But since we are saved and dead in our sins, we become glorified saints. Look at verse number 4 with me. When Christ appear, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Jesus Christ died and rose again and is now in heaven with God the Father. And one day we're going to meet him. One day we're going to see him face to face, either in the clouds during the rapture or when we meet him in heaven. But one day we will stand before God. We will be able to see him again. Would you look back with me at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Just a couple pages over there. Beginning of verse number 14. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 14 says, And if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I look forward to the day that I get to see Jesus face to face. But that should excite us. That should uh, help us understand that if we are saved this morning, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, confessed our sins, asked Him to forgive us, then one day we'll get to see Him again. Clouds in heaven. But again, we've got to understand that as a believer, as a Christian, that is what we're looking forward toward. If any of us want to become a better Christian, we have to get to that first point. We've got to be saved. We can't just be a, a Christian. There's a lot of people out there today, and a lot of other denominations, if you would, that call themselves Christians, but they've never accepted Christ as their Savior. They say they've accepted God, they've tasted the wafer, they've drank in the wine, and say they've received Christ, but they've never confessed their sins. Go back and study what the Bible says. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. You want to know how to get saved? That's how you get saved. It's not receiving, not eating anything. It's asking Jesus to save you. So we can't become a better Christian unless we are first saved. And it's important that we understand that. But as we read this first verse, Paul was making a very strong observation regarding their identity. If ye then be risen with Christ, if you're acting and doing what Christ would do, then what are we to do? Number two this morning is seek the heavenly. Seek the heavenly as we find there in verse number one. Seek those things which are above. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are you seeking after today? What is it that you desire today? You know, if you were to take a survey of, of most of the people you, and what they seek after today, you could probably put them in five different categories. Let me give you those five categories. Number one is protection. We all want protection, do we not? No matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, we all want that protection. We want our physical protection. Let me ask you this morning, what do you got on your feet? 
shoes. This is not a fashion statement, by the way. It's to protect my feet. We want protection. You think, well, that's not why I wear them. Well, don't wear shoes to church and we're going to laugh at you while you're trying to walk across a parking lot. We like it because we have protection. So think about that. Also, when people go out to buy a car, they do the research. What are they looking at? What are they looking for? Number one, they want uh, seat belts. Well, that's required nowadays. They want airbags. Well, those are required. But is it the stage two? Is it the ones on the sides? Is it the curtain bags? They're, they're looking at this. What is the rollover rate? What is the crash? What is that crash dummy? And what did he do while he was in there? We're looking at all these things. Why? We want protection. Well, the way things are going today, we want uh, protection of our identity. Again, there's a lot of people out there that are stealing our identity, that's taking our names and, and buying this and doing that and so on and so forth. So it's something that we're looking for protection with our identity as well. People are do whatever they want and they will pay whatever they want to feel safe. Again, it's an idea of protection. Number two is possessions. Materialism is what drives the world today. You go and you look and uh, everybody has the mentality of he who has the most toys wins. That's not what it's all about. But there are some people are so focused on possessions. I want more and more and more and more. I don't care what it is. I just want more. And if they say, I can't have the possessions, then give me the prosperity that I can buy those possessions. Again, people want more money than anything. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men of all time, was asked this. How much money does it take to make a man happy? His reply was, just one more dollar. Just one more dollar. You give me one, I just want one more. Give me another one, I just want one more. Just one more. They want that prosperity. That desire is growing exponentially over the past decades, and it will continue to climb, I'm sure, as it has been. Number four is pleasure. Think about all the different industries that are focused on the idea of pleasure. If it makes me happy, I want it, and I've got to have it. But I believe probably the main thing that people are seeking after is praise. And there's some people that say, well, you know, I'm not big in the limelight. I don't want to be noticed, this, that, and the other. But we're all looking for somebody to give us some type of praise. We're seeking acceptance from somebody. We either want that that authority figure to accept us. We want our parents to accept us. We want those friends to accept us. We want to be looked at cool by the cool crowd or the in crowd. We're all looking for that acceptance from somebody. We want that praise from somebody. Again, these are things that our people are seeking after. Things we want. The things that drive us to get out of bed each morning. Is there anything wrong with any of these categories? No. There's nothing wrong with any of them unless they become the number one priority in your life. Then that's where the problems begin. Instead, we are to seek those things which are above. Seek the things that are pleasing to God. Seek those things that bring God praise in everything we do. What will promote God in His goodness? Those are the things that we need to seek after. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 says, again, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Everything we do should bring glory to God. Everything that we seek after, again, should be what God desires for our lives. Why? Again, this is speaking to those that are saved. This is a church written to the church at Colossae. 
If you're saved this morning, we should seek the things from God because we don't belong to ourselves. 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 6, verse 20 says, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. God possesses us. God owns us. So what we should do should be honoring and glorifying to Him and not to self. What we are seeking after. But also, number three this morning is where we set our affections. We set our affections. Look at verse number two. Set your affections on things above, not on things on this earth. Paul here said to set your affections on things above. What was he meaning? What was the idea behind what he said here? Our affection is our love, our desire. If we love something, then that is what we'll focus on. Again, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We may say we love God, but are we doing those things that are pleasing to Him? Again, John 14, 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Are we not commanded by God to do things? Are we not following what God gives us through His Word as far as commandments? There are people who say, oh, well, I love God's Word, but are we taking time really to read it and study it? The Bible tells us, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We say we love God. We say we love His Word, but yet we don't take time to get in it. We don't read it enough. We don't follow it enough. We don't allow it to change us. Because we're too busy. We've got this going on. We've got that going on. I can't remember. I can't do this or this, that, and the other. You will do whatever you want to do. You understand that this morning. You will do whatever you want to do. So we've got to make it a priority. We've got to have that want to in order to do it. David mentioned his desire in Psalms chapter 27, verse number 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Was David saying here that, hey, I want to move in all my belongings into the temple? Not necessarily. The idea behind this is, is he wanted to be in perfect fellowship with God every day. We should be having that same desire. When you're in outs, on the outs with somebody in your home, how peaceful is your home? <laughs> how much rest do you get at home? Usually, you've got one person against another. There's a lot of tension there, isn't there? And those that are there that are not a part of the, the, the problem... They're the ones that get all the, the fallout, if you would. They get stuck in the middle between the two. So the house is affected. Everyone is there. Everyone is, is, is having issues. But when we understand that we want to be in perfect fellowship with God, it's sweet. We're doing it. We set our affections on God. We want to follow Him. We want to do what He wants us to do. Then things can become sweet. The first thing we understand, we must be saved. Again, we must be Christians if, if we want to have that, that walk in our life. We must seek the things of God. And we must set our affections on the things of God. But now we come to the next area where the Apostle Paul gives us some instructions. He's laid the groundwork and now he puts what we need to, gives us what we need to put into action. Number four this morning is to slay the flesh. Slay the flesh. As we find there in verses 5 through 9, we'll not... 
take it, read it again. But again, Paul is telling us very bluntly here to mortify, to kill, or to subdue our fleshly desire. One of the greatest distractions from seeking those things above are the things found on this earth. We can't get to what God wants because our wants are in the way. Let me say that again. We can't get to what God wants because our wants are in the way. Some believe they can't mortify their earthly desires. It's too hard. They're too big. Different things like that. But if we've died to self, as verse number 3 had mentioned, your desire doesn't matter anymore. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse number 33, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We have been given the power of God to overcome these desires. We need to learn to subdue those things in our life. But Paul unapologetically names the sins that need to be addressed and need to be eliminated from our lives. And, you know, we read things like this, we look at it, we don't like to hear sins being called out. We like the, the generic terms because, again, it can't focus on the individual. But when Paul names some things very specifically here, we kind of get uneasy because there may be some things in our life that we need to eliminate that are mentioned here. The first one mentioned here, verse number 5, are considered the sensual sins. Now, I'm going to keep this G-rated as possible, amen. But remember, this is the Bible and what it is. We find, first of all, mentioned there is fornication. Webster's 1828 Dictionary defines fornication as the lack of restraint or vulgarity toward an unmarried person. This is the physical interaction of two people who are not married. We often relate the word adultery with this idea of fornication. But the Bible tells us over and over again that we're to flee from it, that we are to abstain from it. But Paul points it out very specifically here. He mentions uncleanness, which is the physical or moral impurity, inordinate affection, the uncontrollable state of mind regarding the area of passion. Evil concupiscence, that's not a word that's used very often in conversations today. But this simply means evil lustful desires. And then covetousness. Covetousness is the sin of always wanting more. Why did Paul take time to mention these specific sins focused on the personal level? Well, there was no doubt there may have been some issues there in the church at Colossae that people were dealing with this. I would dare say this morning there are churches around the globe today that have people that are dealing with these very same things. And the Bible points it out for a reason for us again to allow the Holy Spirit to address them in our lives. What it all boils down to is found there in verse number 5 is idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of something that is not God. When we get caught up with these sensual sins, we can easily become addicted to them and they will become our God. And again, there are things that, that we can easily seem to hide away or nobody knows about, but God does. Why do you think pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry today? Because people allow others and the pleasures of life to become their idol. These are not only things that were mentioned by the Apostle Paul. We look down at verses 8 and 9, and these are regarding the social sins. One preacher said it this way, these are the sins that are in good standing. 
Why? We can easily justify why we're angry. We can easily justify why we tell little white lies. Uh, well, we're slipping back into that old man, so I've got an excuse. You have no excuse. Again, he mentions anger, wrath, malice, sins of a bad attitude. Anger is the attitude and wrath is the actions taken by that attitude. Malice is the hateful will toward others. An unprovoked intent to cause harm to someone. You may be thinking, well, uh, I don't want to cause anybody harm. I don't fall into these categories. But have you ever wished hurt for somebody? Oh no, I would never do that. We may think, well, I would never say that to anyone. But you know, oh Joe, he got what he deserved. You ever thought about that? That's the same way. And the same idea as malice. This is exactly what Paul was referring to. This type of attitude is acceptable in society, but not to God. Blasphemy is hate speech towards someone to tear them down. This usually comes in the form of gossip or what we call spiritual concern. Be careful. There's a lot of people that just want to call and I just want to pray for you when they're ready just to spread gossip. Filthy communication is the next one. And it's just that foul speech, crude humor, humor, obscene language. Well, everyone does it, isn't it okay? It's okay to listen to dirty jokes as long as I'm not saying them right. No, it's not. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer every man. When that person is telling that dirty joke, how do you answer them? Walk away. That's giving them the right answer. Have us to give. Next is lying. It's easy to conceal the, the sensual sins because we can keep a secret. But the social sins are often done outwardly towards others because it's okay. It's accepted in society. We lie to others about how we treat one another. We lie to ourselves on how we think we can control these secret sins. Paul reminds us that we're to put off the old man. And it goes into denying self. You may think this morning that, well, this is not a very positive message. And you're right, it's not. But sometimes you've got to get the dirt off before you can become clean. You've got to put off the old man and the old nature. I'm going to ask, Dustin, can you come up here for a minute, please? I, this morning. Take your jacket off. I don't, I don't want to mess anything up. When we're living our life, we think we're okay. Come on over here. But what happens oftentimes is we take the trash of this world and we get it on us. And we rub it on us and we think everything is okay. But my trash and your trash, don't worry, I'll clean this up. We think we're all right. We think we're okay. But if I was to take Dustin and maybe throw him down here and rub him in the dirt, take him outside and, and maybe put him in a stall somewhere and, and muck the stall a little bit, how clean would he be? Would he be clean? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here, here, put this. Yeah, it's clean. My wife washed it. I know it's clean. It's perfect. Fine, go ahead, put that on. Now he's got a clean shirt. So he's clean now, right? Isn't he clean? I mean, he looks clean on the outside. 
It smells clean. Is it clean? No. The things on the inside. The things, what's inside of that. Oh, man, I didn't mean to make that much of a mess, but anyway. Cereal. But what's on the inside is he's dirty. He's covered it up. He's kind of like a teenager sometimes, you know, just spray on axe and think they're okay. On the inside, he's dirty. So many times our lives are the same way. We think we're okay. We think we're coming to church. We think when we pray it, we're okay. But on the inside, we're dirty. Full of dead man's bones, as Ezekiel says. To truly take care of it, we've got to get the dirt off. We've got to put off the old man. This morning, how dirty are you on the inside that nobody can see but you and God? Have you learned to put off that old man? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning.